Wrestling fans, thank you so much for tuning in to Wrestling Changed My Life. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more we get, the more this show has bubbled up to wrestling fans just like you. After the Olympic trials, we had the Olympic training camps, and Brands comes in a Greco practice. He goes, Hall. Oh. He goes, you got to teach me how to gut run someone. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort it humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. Go to SpartanCombat.com to shop gear for the great Yanni Diakamahalas. All right, folks, today's guest is Dennis Hall, 1995 world champion, 1996 Olympic silver medalist, one of the most decorated Greco-Roman American wrestlers of all time, and Dennis is in rare form for this interview, folks. This might be an all-time episode. I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to our good friend Matt Sedevi. That's at Matt Sedevi on Twitter. Thank you so much for the support, Matt. We appreciate it. As always, Wrestling Changed My Life, proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Now let's get to the episode with the great Dennis Hall. Dennis Hall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. It's an honor, and I am so excited to get into this. Normally, I, I plan out you know two or three topics to hit on. I got a sheet of 11 things I got to ask you about. <laughs> I oh, doubt cool. we'll get. I doubt we'll get to any of them, but uh, I mean to most of them. But man, let's just start. 1990, you're in Madison, Wisconsin. You make a world team and decide to give back your scholarship. Walk us through what all happened there. You know, it was a tough decision. Uh, when I signed with the Badgers, uh, we had Andy Ryan as a head coach. We had Dave Schultz and John Azevedo as the assistant. And uh, I get to uh, school in, in June to go through the orientation and all that stuff. And uh, Keith Davison, good friend of mine, um, tells me, hey, he goes, did you hear that uh, Schultz and Azevedo are gone? I'm like, no. And I'm in Wisconsin, which is crazy. I had, it was quiet. So I, I hadn't heard that. And uh, Schultz, of course, left, I believe, for Foxcatcher at that time. And then uh, Osvito just headed back to California. And so I, I, uh, 
I'm like, okay, I liked Andy. Andy was a good dude. Um, so I, I went to school my freshman year. I ended up uh, wrestling and uh, redshirt in my freshman year. Uh, Paul Walker, good friend of mine from Flor- uh, from Illinois, but then now he's down in Florida, uh, was really good at Greco and helped me out quite a bit in, during the season. So I was ready for the U.S. Open. I uh, ended up redshirt in my freshman year and went to the U.S. Open. I only wrestled Greco. I didn't wrestle freestyle there like the coaches wanted me to do. But um, Wrestle Greco, I ended up third place, and that qualified me for the uh, world team trials. And I made the uh, go down to Cedar Falls, Iowa. My first two out of three is against Anthony Amato, who was a 1988 Olympian. And uh, he beats me first match. I remember calling Andy Ryan. He didn't even come to watch me. Probably busy or something. But uh, I remember calling him. I say, I think I can beat him the next two. Because it was back then, it was three matches for the guy that won the mini tournament. uh, Three matches. And then you had to wrestle a second place, third, uh, third place guy. Uh, two matches and then a champion from the open three matches. So it was a long haul, but uh, wow! I tell him I can beat him. And he's like, just go out there and wrestle hard. And that's what I did. And in the second match, uh, um, Anthony ended up blowing out his knee and I didn't want to win that way, but you know what? It was what it was. I, I feel bad because it definitely hampered the rest of his career. But uh, then I end up going on beating a number two guy at nationals and then the uh, national champion, uh, Bam Pastelnik. Um, he's a great competitor too. So um, I made my first world team and, and I'm training back at UW after making a world team. And uh, I, I got to register for classes for the fall and, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to pass being gone because I was going to wrestle in the world championships and then the world cup. And I'm like, I don't think I can do it. And, uh, how long were you going to have to be gone for that? About eight weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So I I talked to Andy, I said, Hey, can we do a petition? Uh, you know, petition the NCA for a semester off. He's, he goes, uh, yeah, so we petitioned the NCA. The NCA denies my petition. They said, well, if it was a junior or a university age group world championships, we'd let you do it, which is such a joke. The NCA is a freaking joke. You're like, but, you're, uh, I'm above that level. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? Exactly. So uh, when they told me that I had to go to school full time and, and pass, pass all the credits, um, and I, I just talked to some of my good buddies and I said, what the hell would you guys do? And they're like, you know, what's your heart telling you to do? And at that point, my heart was telling me to chase, chase the Olympics and the world championship. So uh, I remember the day walking into the Badgers wrestling room. Uh, Andy was in there working out with some guys and I waited till he was done. And I'm like, Hey, I, I'm, I want to get back my scholarship. I don't want to keep a scholarship from somebody that could use it. Um, I'm going to go train Greco full time. 
and he's like yeah you're a quitter and you're never gonna get there and you know that was part of my motivation for doing what i did trust me on that wow but, uh, you know i mean he was pissed i i see his point of view i mean he had a guy that could uh place in the ncaa's if not win it um the previous year at the northern open i wrestled brands terry and lost seven of five to him. So, I mean, I, I was right there. I think he won the NCAAs that year, if I remember correctly. But uh, How loaded yeah. was that Northern Open back in those days? It was pretty good. It was a tough tournament, man. Um, you know, you had Iowa State, you had Nebraska, Minnesota. Uh, I believe Michigan was there, Illinois, so it, and Wisconsin. So it was a tough tournament. Alan Freed tells me a story about he drove up there to wrestle brands when Freed was redshirting and he hit a deer on the way up or something. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't surprise me. A crazy story. A yeah. yeah. So you, uh, so you tell the coach, um, and I just got to make one quick aside. Bam yeah. is a close uh, family friend and I, I grew up where he was, uh, where he was coaching. So I'd be remiss if, without giving a shout out to Bam. He's Pistelnik. a great dude. I love him. Good guy. So you, you tell coach, I'm, I'm done. I'm turning in my scholarship. My first question was, where did you go? Like, did you go to Colorado to train or what'd you do? You know, I, I just kind of hodgepodge it. I, I went out by my brother for a while. I went out at Adam state. Um, then I came back and I'd go down to Marquette when Marquette still had their wrestling program because when I left, the coach said, well, he goes, you got to find a new place to train. He goes, you can't train in the room anymore. So I'm like, okay. I uh, went up to Minnesota a little bit um, to their uh, storm, you know, what storm now. Um, went to uh, uh, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Uh, my ex-wife was going to school there at the time, and I uh, – you know, she said, we got some guys that would at least give you a workout. So I came up here and I, I've been up here ever since. It worked out pretty well. Um, you know, the, the coaches up here were fantastic. They'd allow me to work with guys, um, you know, when I needed to. And, and the guys benefited from it, helped uh, produce a lot of D3 All-Americans for them. So that's where your home base was for all those years. Yeah. I mean, it's not the Greco capital of the world. I can <laughs> tell you that. So it, that, that was the challenging part, but um, the coaches at the university allowed me to bring in foreign training partners all the time to help me. And uh, between their guys and the foreigners, it was a good situation. And I want to talk about some of the guys you brought in because, you know, I've heard you say, you know, why would you go train in Europe where you have to pay for a hotel, you know, all of that when you can just have someone come to you, you know? Yeah. I mean, currently right now I'm working on trying to get a couple guys. Uh, Matt Linland doesn't know it, but I'm trying to get a couple guys. I got a couple sons that wrestle Greco and um, I got a real good training partner for, for my sons at the club that I coach and, where uh, actually I, I was just talking to a guy from Iran this uh, probably about 10 o'clock this morning because he's good friends with a guy from Tajikistan from the Federation. And that guy called him and then gave him my number. 
and then tried getting the English barrier broken down a little bit to tell me I knew what I needed to do. But um, I got to call Matt Lindland and uh, tell them I want to bring over. And they said if uh, USA Wrestling sends a, a request for a visa, they'll approve it. So that's on my list after this. Love it. Well, <clears throat> we're going to dive into all of that because – you know, after you told coach you weren't coming back to Wisconsin, you go to the 1990 Worlds and fact check me on this, but I understand between that and the World Cup, you had like a five match losing streak. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> it was horrible. Were you having um, some doubts about your decision at that point? Oh, I had huge doubts. I mean, I'm up in my hotel room in uh, Jotunberg, Sweden. It's a beautiful city and I'm up there ball balling like a little baby. Um, I'm thinking, hey, man, is there any way I can get my scholarship back? Because this ain't working too well. And um, luckily, I had a coach that cared about me. Uh, Dan Chandler, I don't know if he'd remember this, but I sure in the hell do. Um, he knocks on my door the night after the first day of competition. And he goes, uh, I invite him in. He sees that I've been crying a little bit. And he goes, Dennis, he goes, I know what's wrong. I go, I'm sure glad you do, because I haven't got a clue. And uh, he goes, you're giving these guys way too much respect. The way you wrestle in the States is so different from the way you're wrestling these guys. He goes, you know, in the States, you don't care. You believe you can beat the guys. He goes, you got to go out there tomorrow and just get after these guys and, and be physical and, and create a street fight with them. And uh, that's all he said. And he goes, okay, we'll see you in the morning. And so I think about that for the next hour. And uh, he was right. I, next morning, I just wanted to make it a battle. And I ended up uh, beating two guys the next day. I ended up beating a guy that won the World Cup from Sweden. Uh, and it was a wild match. I, I still got the newspaper somewhere. I don't know what the hell it says, but um, I'd like to get it interpreted someday. But uh, it had me with a picture of me having their guy on his back and they interviewed me and I don't remember what I said. It's so cool to have like those moments in your mind like that, because at the moment you're probably thinking life could just couldn't get any worse. And then the next day it already starts to turn around, you know, it, it definitely did. I, you know, I, I know a lot of guys that struggle internationally, especially in Greco. And the more losses you take until there's a defining moment in your career that changes your outlook, it, it's tough to battle. It, well, it just, just uh, eats at you. What was it? it uh, I'm going to say one thing, too. It doesn't help that our media in the U.S. doesn't understand how tough Greco is overseas. I'm glad to hear you say that because I had Mac Afarian recently and he says, and again, you're going to be fact checking me all day here. He <laughs> says that in other countries, the best wrestlers go Greco as opposed to freestyle. hundred percent, hundred percent. That is just so hard to conceptualize for most people, including myself. The thing is that what, what people got to understand is you got to understand center of gravity and, and, weight distribution and everything. I mean, it's almost complete physics when you're wrestling Greco. So, and I'm not saying freestyle is easy. It's not, I I've wrestled it a ton, but the Greco to try and break a guy's position 
when you can't touch a leg and fake a shot, it, it's tough. What's like the deciding factor in some of those super elite Greco guys that we're seeing now? One, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is center of gravity control. Our guys are doing a, you know, we need to work on that. We, we got to understand the feel part of the sport right now. You know, our guys lean way more than we should be leaning. If, if they could straighten up a little bit, I think we'd, we'd get more success. It's not that our guys aren't fighters. I just think they, they don't understand why we're getting beat and it's driving me crazy. That's why I'm actually working with a bunch of younger guys right now, trying to uh, look forward to 2024, 2028. Dennis Hall, RTC, baby, Stevens point. <laughs> trying, trying. We need it. Now we were talking about 1990 and that was a big turning point for you. What was bigger though? 1990 or when you lost to the Cuban in 93? Uh, the Cuban was a heart check too, man. Um, you know, it was crazy. I get to the world championships and back then, if you, I think if you lost in the quarters, you were out. What For kind of crazy reason, rule is that you win your first one, you win your second, you're exactly, out. Exactly. It, it was, it, it was insane, you know? And I, I remember winning my first match and then the coaches or before my match, they asked me, Hey, you know, basically, do you want to throw the match? And I'm like, screw you. I ain't throwing it. You know, um, uh, but at the same time that put some doubt in my mind, you know, and I, I went out, I wrestled cautious against the Cuban. I didn't go out there and throw the kitchen sink at him. And, uh, I ended up losing that match, um, by a point. And I remember coming off the map. My goal was to keep it close and score in the last minute and, and win. And that didn't happen. And I come off the mat, I'm not exhausted and I'm pissed off. And, you know, my chance of winning a world medal just went down the drain. I'm done. And uh, the coaches, they didn't say much. They were just watching the other guys that were competing still. And I get back home and um, my father-in-law and I are going up to, uh, some land in Park Falls, Wisconsin. They're buying, want to look at some land on a flowage and, uh, we're on our way up there and he goes, Hey, Dennis, he goes, how do you support my wife or your wife? You know, I go through wrestling. I said, you know, I, you know, I get 650 bucks a month back then, you know, which is a joke. I said, I run uh, wrestling clubs and I do camps. I said, you know, that's all I got time for. I, I can't do a regular job. There's no way in train. And uh, he goes, well, is there any way you can make more money from USA Wrestling? I go, yeah. I said, if you win a medal, you make decent money. I said, but, you know, it's tough. He goes, well, look at your train. And he goes, I put in. 50 to 60 hours a week to support my family. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, what were you doing? I mean, like three hours a day workouts or two hours a day, something like four, that? About okay. four, you know, and, but it, what I ended up doing is starting doing more conditioning. I said I could get in better shape for sure. You know, I'm in good shape, but I could get in better shape. Um, you know, I, I just thought about, 
a lot of different things and and uh, kind of laid out a plan. And I, I said, I'm winning a medal next year. That's when I, I said it in my mind, it's, it's podium or bust. And, um, you know, that was a turning point when he checked me on if I was doing what I needed to do. And that, w- that was probably one of the best trips that, that I've taken with somebody that wasn't a wrestler. And so what it was like, you're thinking, man, I thought I was doing enough, but maybe I'm not doing enough. And so you started ramping up your training pretty drastically after that. 100%. Exactly. Every practice mattered. Every, every run mattered. Everything I did was for winning instead of just, I mean, a lot of athletes, they get, and I know you, as an athlete, you get in, you get almost complacent with your training sometimes. And you're just going through the motions instead of, you know, enjoying it, doing it because you love it and you want to be the best. And that's what changed in me that day. And you got to share what your, like your daily regiment was from morning to sunset, what you were doing back then. It was getting up at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, getting to the gym or to uh, the weight, the weight room or the track. And I'd work out for an hour and I'd, take a couple hours off and then I come back in about 11 o'clock and I do a, a drill workout where I was just working on technique, working on the little things that, that make a big difference. Just trying to get my timing down, trying to get uh, quicker hands, quicker feet, getting better uh, turns, better defense. Um, you know, those were good workouts. I do that for an hour and then, come back, uh, back to my house, relax for a little bit. And then, uh, if I was working out with the university, I come back in about three o'clock and I get done probably five thirty, six o'clock. And then after that, um, a lot of times I'd go run a mile hard cause that's the length of a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. I'm not a sprinter. I'm, you know, I, I'd sprint that mile as hard as I could, you know, and then after that, I do a lifeline workout with the handles. And that was probably a good 35 to 40 minute workout. And that was a huge difference in, in just believing in myself. I was going to say outside of the, the physical benefits, the mental confidence you must have had, knowing that that's what you were doing every day must have been game changing. Yeah, it was. And you know what? You know when you're doing everything possible to win and you know, when you're not, and you know, guys that accept losing are the guys that ain't doing everything they can do. If, and I'm not saying you have to go ballistic if you lose, but it should piss you off and it should burn deep. You know, every, every loss I took sucked. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, I never was happy with losing and you know, when you're training that hard, it, it just gives you the confidence. I mean, I remember being in, in the Olympic training center and after the Greco practice, I'm, I'm the last guy out of the room, yeah. you know, and, and that was one of the reasons why I was winning. And why to, I got to the level I got to. Yeah. And to your point after 93, where you had that match with the Cuban, you come back and get a bronze. Then in 95, when the rest of the world's watching freestyle in the U.S., you're overseas at the 95 World Championships. Talk about the path you had 
get to that gold medal because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It was a pretty tough path. Uh, my first match, it was funny because uh, Brandon Paulson and I, we, he was my training partner for that year. And uh, we had been training all year together. And he, I told him, I said, I'd like to get Ignatenko first round. Uh, and I back then, they didn't have it on flow or track wrestling. It was, you know, they paper stuff and you didn't know who you had and so i i weigh in and i end up uh drawing ignatenko from russia he's a world champion from russia uh a lot of a lot of medals i don't even know how many medals a guy has but up to that point i think i scored on him one time before that wow. and he i had wrestled him a few times and he was tough but uh i just wanted to grind him out and get him early why you know, because, um, you know, if I could get him early after the weight cut, probably better. So that was my my thought process with him. I ended up beating him in overtime, and I uh, he tried to gut wrench on me. I ended up stepping over and catching him on his back, and finally they stopped the match after I kind of let him go back to his base because I knew I won. Then uh, the next match... But a crazy story. This is the truth. Um, after my first match with Ignatenko, they tell me, ah, you're done for the session. So I have my bag on, my shoulder, um, in my tennis, getting I have one foot on the bus. And Mitchell comes up and he goes, you have another match. They're call they called you to the mat. <laughs> I'm like... So I run back in, I, I, I strip down right at Matt's side. I got my briefs on, I throw my shoes on. I don't even get to warm up. Usually I do a full warm up before every match. I go out there, I wrestle a guy, this guy from Sweden is originally from Greece. He ended up moving to Sweden. I don't know how he did that, but um, he wrestled at the weight above me the year before. So he was big too. Wow. And I ended up uh, not even getting the warm up. I beat him uh, by a point in regulation. So I squeaked by that match. Then my next match is against Rafat Yeldiz, the German who's a two-time world champ, Olympic silver medalist from 92. And I don't know how many medals he has, but he has a good amount of medals. He'll be in the uh, Hall of Fame, I'm sure, someday if he isn't already, but, uh, he, uh, he gut wrenches me. He's on top of me and he puts his head down by my side. And I, I clamp his uh, head to my side with my lats. And he, he must've knew that I had would probably fall for it. Well, he drives me forward, gets me gut wrenched and I'm down three to one. And there's like 20 some seconds left. And I had him in a front headlock and was trying to throw him. He's trying to get out of bounds to step out before I get the throw. He steps out and then he takes a timeout. And <sighs> I look over to my corner and Rob Herman's sitting in my corner and I look over and he's kind of got his head down and I'm like, ah, that sucks. So I look over to where Dan Chandler and another coach was standing and they're watching the match beside my match. And I'm looking for these guys 
I'm looking at these guys for anything. You know, what do you see? Because you're and down three to one with 18 seconds. Three to one, exactly. And they think it's over. Yep. And I quick look up to the stands and all my teammates kind of look down. And I'm like, okay, the fat lady hasn't saying yet. So I quick say, okay, I'm going to lean my head a little bit and I'm going to do a high dive right off the whistle. I'm going to the body. And uh, I did exactly that. I got in, locked, got a great lock, and I, I uh, drove him straight to his back and touch walled him. And um, pinned wow. him. I don't even know how much time was left, but it wasn't much. And so that put me in the semifinals of uh, the world championships against Agassi Manukian. And I had wrestled Agassi earlier in, in that year. And he had beaten me seven to five. He had reverse lifted me one time, got me up, slammed me down. And then I defended, he got me up again on his shoulder. Somehow I descend, defended the second lift and he only got one. And uh, make a long story short, I ended up losing that match seven to five. Well, be at, at the world team camps and all this times, Pulse and I were training. Pulse and had a good reverse lift. So I made him do it until I figured out a reverse lift defense. And uh, the reverse lift defense was whatever side the guy's setting up on, turn and seal off on the other side and don't let him get his lock. Well, I'm at the wrestling agency and they put me down first like they always do to Americans. And uh, um, agency gets on top, gets ready to try his reverse lift. He can't get his lock. So we get back up, they blow the whistle. And I remember watching him get back up to his feet and he walks back to the center with his head down. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And uh, it wasn't a good day for him after that. I ended up beating him 8-0. Uh, I was attacking right at the end, trying to attack him, but I didn't get it. And uh, beat him 8-0. And that put me in the finals against... Uh, Melnichenko. Agassi was a tough dude. He was a 93 world champ. I forgot to mention that. In the 93 worlds, he broke five guys' ribs with his reverse lift and tacked everybody. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So, the, so this is just to get to the finals. Yeah, that was to get to the finals. I beat him. How legit was the guy you had in the finals? Uh, he was, I think two or three world championships, maybe a silver, uh, Olympic champion. Um, up to that point, he was defending world champion. So he won the worlds a year before. And, and uh, I think he teched Ignatanko in the finals that year, I believe. Jeez. So deep. Yeah. So how yeah. many world, how many world champs were in that weight? Four or five? Shit. More than that. There, uh, you had Anhan Ban, who was Olympic champion <laughs> from 92. He was in the weight class. Um, you had uh, Iraglu from Turkey, who ended up going up weight class in two years and won the weight class at, one, at 62 kilos. He's like a two-time world champ from Turkey. Um, I know there's one other world champ that I'm forgetting, but so it was deep. It was crazy deep. What happened in the finals? Uh, 
Melanchenko uh, got a, uh, actually, I, I don't know if I got him put down first or if he got me put down first. It's a crazy story. In 1991, I wrestled Melanchenko at the uh, Espoir World Championships. He ended up teching me in like a minute 20-some or a minute 30. I don't know. Yeah. He had a great lift, unbelievable uh, strat, uh, not straddle, but uh, uh, not, um, what the, what are they, why is my brain going dead? Um, straight lift, straight lift, where it's a swing lift. And uh, he lifted me twice, tacked me real quick. So um, that year I brought over, I, I believe, Ivan Ivanov's brother. I, I know it was his brother, but I don't, I think it was that year I brought him over to help me defend Melnichenko's mm-hmm. lift because he lifted a lot like Melnichenko. And talk about a story. Um, I'm in working out with uh, Stefan Ivanov, and we're working on lift defense. And I, I swear I must have been thrown 30 times that day. And I grabbed the closest thing next to me, which wasn't him, which was a chair. And I threw it halfway down the wrestling room and I walked out of the room that day. And I'm like, we're coming back tomorrow. I just, I can't take any more abuse today. <laughs> and uh, so I, I left the room and come back tomorrow. We worked on it. I started figuring it out and ended up working out because he couldn't lift me at the world championships that year. And, uh, Anyway, I gut-wrenched Melnichenko for a two-point. I had a trapped arm, but he got his arm out. And then uh, I got put down. He gets a one-point gut. Then I think they put me down later in the match, and he gets a one-point gut. And because I had a two-point, he had two one-points. I won the Worlds because it was 2-2. And just the second American to ever win the World Championships, right? Yeah, second, yep. Talk about just uh, like that night. I mean, what do you remember from that night after you had won and it was in the tank? It was cool. Um, You know, I I remember being on the podium and feeling my brother's presence at the tournament. My brother had passed away in 1988 from a drinking and driving crash. And uh, I just remember being on the podium and feeling him and knowing he's okay. So that was a hell of an experience right there in itself. then uh, just going out in Prague because it was in Prague and people on the street came up and knew who I was, which was unbelievable. They congratulated me, you know, and here in the United States, nobody knows who I am, which is kind of funny, yeah. not funny, but mm-hmm. sad. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, it was on TV over there. It was, it was a big deal. It was cool and had fun. Uh, remember going out with the guys and just you know having some fun for sure good time i mean what a journey just from uh 93 to that point but even obviously your whole life leading up to that i know you wrestled in a ton more world championships and uh were close to meddling in uh like 97 just a a a real uh a screw job if you want to call it yeah i just yeah that tournament pisses me off to this day i uh I figured it did. So those, uh, I mean, that's, again, there's so many world championships that you were in and I had to hit on 93 and 95. Um, yep. Olympic trials. You were in a ton of them. 
I got to go back to 92. Who was Frank Firmino and what the heck was going on back then? Frank was a stud, man. He was on the 84 Olympic team. Frank had a gut wrench from hell. And uh, they changed the, he was fifth in the 84 Olympics. Okay. He uh, wrestled up at 136 and a half in 1990, started making a drop in 91. He beat me in 91. So I ended up number two in the country in 91, beat me two straight. And then uh, um, in 92, it was best two out of three. I ended up wrestling him. Um, and, but right before the trials, they changed the rules where there was no force parterre. So it was basically on your feet unless you scored a takedown. And uh, I ended up scoring on the feet. I don't remember. I think I lat dropped them one time, if I remember correctly. But um, I scored all my points from the feet. And uh, he wasn't able to score on me on the feet. I ended up winning two matches straight. And uh, I supposedly make the Olympic team. There's a whole story. I don't know if you heard it. Well, that's what I'm talking about. So you win yeah. the you win the Olympic trials and they'd say yes. they say, hey, we'll give you the warm-ups, but no way in hell are you wrestling in Barcelona. Yep. They go, uh Frank's gonna wrestle in Barcelona. And I had warned USA wrestling previously that I had planned on winning the trials. And I said, you gotta have a wrestle off. They sent Frank's name in as the guy that if we get a wild card that he gets to wrestle. Even though you and won I, the trials? They did that like a month and a half before the trials. And I was bitching at him saying, we got to host the trials early. Yeah. And I'm sure they had me on record and that's why things changed. Um, so I end up beating Frank in two matches straight. Um, and I make the team and they tell me to get in a picture. And I, I, I'm like, why the hell are you putting me in the picture? If you're going to let Frank wrestle, I said, you know what, Frank, it goes in the picture. And finally they're like, get in the picture. And I get in the picture. And, uh, um, at that point, Frank's uh, supposedly going to be wrestling in the Olympics. If, if I don't, stand up for myself so i go back home i'm fuming i'm pissed off and uh i call a lawyer from marquette uh and this guy's a sports lawyer and i call him i said what you know what do i have he goes you got a case he goes you know what he goes let me deal with these guys so he calls usa wrestling and uh lets them know that we're going to be filing if they don't change the name within one day, they changed the name on the petition. But before that, they told me they couldn't do it. It's crazy because think about you winning the trials. That whole, that whole tournament was a black cloud for you because of all the nonsense when really it should have been the highest point of your life. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. So you go to Barcelona though, right? Obviously. Yeah. I went to Barcelona, wrestled in the 92, ended up, I think, uh, eighth place, I, if I recall. I mean, what yeah, was that experience like? Experience. As a yeah, as a twenty-one-year-old, you're there. You're hanging out with all the guys. The freestyle team had a hell of a team. I mean, yeah, they did. Our Greco team actually did well. We had a couple medals. Uh, Dennis Kozlowski and then uh, Rodney Smith both medaled for the Greco. So it, it was neat watching that. Neat. Um, I just remember being on. Uh, uh, opening ceremonies field. I'm, I'm sitting next to all the wrestlers and, you know, we're just shooting the shit. 
And uh, I'm sitting next to John Smith and he goes, Dennis, he goes, are you nervous? And I, I'm like, hell, John knew who I was. That's pretty cool, you know, because he's a guy I looked up to, man. And uh, he goes, are you nervous? I go, no. He goes, well, he goes, just wait. Well, about an hour later, they light the torch and the crowd goes crazy. And right at that point, I'm like, holy shit, I'm at the Olympic Games and I'm going to be competing. And, and that's when I got nervous. So, <laughs> yeah, he was right. I, I would get nervous. Thanks, John. Right. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. How do you compare and contrast that Barcelona games, your first games to 96 home court advantage? 96 was unbelievable. Uh, being in the United States, I was uh, wrestling on the first day of competition, first and second day. And, uh, you know, the, the difference is in 92, there wasn't any pressure. And in 96, I was expected to win it. Um, you know, the, the neat thing, what kind of was a good turning point too, was after 92, they take all the Olympians that made the Olympic team and you get to go out and meet the president of the United States and, and have a luncheon with them and get your picture taken with them. And I remember being in the white house and, and sitting on a chair and just watching all these athletes go by with their medals. And at that point I said, there's no way I'm getting done with my Olympic career without a medal. And, uh, that's that was a turning point too you know because it just made it real for me and it 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 made me because I felt like a loser because I didn't have a medal on my neck you know and every a lot of them not everybody but a lot of them had medals and uh, I said that's when I said I'm coming back here in 96 with one around my neck and uh, let's go baby motivator exactly let's go I mean there's nothing worse than being somewhere and you feel like you're left out, whether it's like the you come back for the high school homecoming when you're a year out of college or, or you know, any of that, yep. or when you're a year out of high school, you just feel like you don't belong. There's no worse feeling, you know? Yeah. And you felt that way in the White House. I felt that way. Exactly. I felt like I let my country down and I didn't do my job. And so you return with a vengeance, 96, you get yeah. a silver. Um, a lot of guys say there's no solace in silver. Are you one of those people or were you able to have some perspective and be proud of the silver? I wanted to throw the son of a bitch away. <laughs> you know? I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't work for that. Um, you know, looking back now, I like it. I, you know, I appreciate it now, but at that point, I would have given it to a kid at that point. It didn't matter to me. You know, yeah. uh, my goal was to win it and, you know, it sounds like a bad sport, but you know, you all the time and energy and and everything, it it just it sucked. It it was, you know, first place and third place guys are always smiling on the podium. The second yeah. place guy probably wants to kill the first place guy. Just saying. <laughs> I appreciate the candor, and I know that's how you operate, man. You you're that refuse to lose attitude. We've all heard that in association with your, uh, just your mentality and your approach. But if you think about that run, 94 bronze medal, 95 world champ, 96 Olympic silver, and then 97, yeah. you would have been a bronze medalist if, if the, the travesty wouldn't have happened. So, I mean, that's a really remarkable run yeah. if you look back on it. 
No, it is. It it was it was a crazy run, and you know, I I think uh, you know, if I could have kept more partners around me, I think I could have been more successful throughout the rest of my career. But it was just hard. A lot of your partners ended up going, or my partners ended up going other places to train, and you know, it, it just. It got tougher as I got a little bit older, and then I had my first son right after the 96 Olympics. And, you know, I, I think when I saw my son got being born, I think it changed me just enough to, to make me realize that there's more to life than, than wrestling. And I, you know, I don't want to admit it, but it, it's just, you know, there's something about it when you're a dad. And before that, um, Dennis Hall before was, that, uh, I, I was a killer. <laughs> oh my, I mean, everything I've, I found and read points directly to that. Talk about another killer, Terry Brands. He's been in your corner a lot. When yeah. did you start training with him? I started, uh, it was funny after, uh, after the Olympic trials, we had the Olympic training camps and Brands comes in a Greco practice. And he goes, Hall, oh. he goes, you got to teach me how to gut run someone. I'm like, okay. So up to that point, the last uh, or couple of experiences, I, after he beat me 7-5 at the Northern Open, he runs off. The other thing is, I got to say this, the match is over. He pushes his hand on my back and one on my head and kind of shoves my face into the mat and runs <laughs> back to the center and then runs off the mat cussing, Cause he's pissed off. He didn't beat me by more. And, uh, so that's, that's my experience with him until he says, Hey, all oh, you got to teach me how to defend a gut wrench and gut wrench. So, uh, we started training and we talked about his trials and I felt horrible for him. I, you know, so this is 96, 96. So he's in a raw spot at this point. Yeah. I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, God, good. He goes, I don't even want to be here. And, uh, and we just started talking and, you know, we, we kind of clicked, man, same mindset, same mold. And, you know, then we started training together. He'd come up by me, I'd go down by him and, uh, you know, we just had each other's back and it was just the right mindset. And, you know, he struggled a little bit in, uh, 99 and 2000 with this mental frame of mind. And at that point, you know, I was in his corner. I, I just told him, you know, you got to do what your body and your heart's telling you to do. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a wild time for him. And I think a lot of it was pressure and, and trying to be the best in the world and win that Olympic medal. He, he had the world titles at that time. So he, his goal was to be Olympic champ, just like everybody, you know, everybody remembers Olympic champions. They don't necessarily remember the guys that won a world title. Which is crazy because the world's in many ways is, is deeper and, it's and it can be tougher. Can be. can be. When you, you say know, he was struggling with his frame of mind, how do you mean by that? You know, he, he had passed out uh, when he was going up to Winnipeg, Canada. He was at a hotel. He passed out right outside the sauna and he was afraid that he, he'd possibly die uh, trying to make weight or that something bad was going to happen. So his mindset, uh, was messed up. 
Wow. And he he was really concerned. In 1999, he ended up not wrestling at the World Championships that year. Gave up his spot. Just couldn't do it mentally. So I he gets the things with with the mental uh, blocks, you know. And I get it too, you know. It's tough, but uh, I just kind of I stood by his side and. You know, I, I told him, I said, I don't give a shit what any of your coaches or, you know, what your brother says. I said, you got to you got to get that mind right. And that's kind of where hopefully I helped him out a little bit. And when you say you guys would work out together, were you wrestling freestyle? Or was he wrestling Greco or was it we just do, we do a little bit of both, mostly Greco, but he wanted to learn how to defend upper body. So uh, we do some freestyle, but uh, a lot of parterre, a lot of working on guts and gut defense. Yeah, I can't think of two guys who are more similar than you two, just in there scrapping. God, Yeah, there were some crazy practices. It was good. Now in 2000... I'll tell you, nobody has hands like that guy. How heavy that guy can be with his hands is unbelievable. You You think compared to some of those Greco guys you go with? Yeah. He's, yeah, I mean, the first time I got snapped by him, my natural reaction was to punch him. And then I'm thinking, damn, he probably can punch back. <laughs> serious, Because uh, when he clubs you, he clubs you in the spot. He knows the spot. And I figured it out, too, because I working with him. I'm like, where the hell are you snapping me? Because every time you snap me, I get a shot of electricity from the base of my neck down to my tailbone. I said, and I don't like it. So you, I got to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, we're just clubbing the shit out of each other, trying to help me figure it out. Wow. So it was good. So in 2000, he, he obviously comes through. He makes a team. Yeah, makes a team, gets a bronze, you know, and, you know, it, it sucks, man. I, you know, he could have won it. You know, just one bad, bad match or bad situation. Yeah, Razor De Beer had his leg up there, could have yep. bailed out, and it went yep. to his back. And yeah, but in two thousand though, you, you all of a sudden, you know, you're like this Greco star, the best ever in, in the United States. This guy Jim Grinwald, who yep. who you'd wrestled in high school, yeah, he starts eking into the picture. Did you consider him a real threat going into two thousand? Yeah, I consider him a threat. The, the freaking schedule for guys that haven't qualified to wait, it, it's, it's ridiculous what you got to go through. I mean, I, I had nationals, then I had the Pan Ams that I had to win. No, a lot of people don't know this story. I, I'm at the Pan Ams. I, it's me and the Cuban in the finals. The Cuban is a tough son of a bitch. He's an Olympic silver medalist in 04. So he was just on his upswing. And uh, Monzon, Roberto Monzon. And I'm getting ready to wrestle the finals against Monzon. We're in Colombia where we haven't been outside our hotel except to go to practice because you're afraid to get kidnapped. You know, Um I'm getting ready for the finals. I'm warming up with Brandon Paulson. He ends up hip tossing me, knocks me out cold. I have a concussion, but I got to wrestle the finals. I go out there. I wrestle Monzon. I don't know what the hell is going on in the match. Somehow I'm down by a point or something with 
you know, a short time left. From what I hear, I never saw the match. I, I need to get this match. But uh, Monzon just, I must have looked crazy or something because he just gave me a takedown and gave up the match. You, you don't know? remember any of it. I don't remember any of it because I had a concussion. Jeez. I you mean, know? people, you, you hear people talk about, you know, you don't, your routine's out the window when you go overseas. When I hear about these Greco stories, it's to another level. You're in a hotel in Colombia. How the hell do you cut weight in a hotel? Like just you go to the sauna. You get. I always brought a bike everywhere I went to. So I always, I always brought a bike with me, exercise bike. How? I just, just, I just checked it. I paid eighty bucks or whatever it was back then, because there's no way in hell I was making weight by running. I hated running. Wow. So this is all going on in between the Olympic trials in Dallas. Yep. And then, and then you got that and you got a three week period till the final trials. And, you know, I, I think I was just burnt out a little bit, but not only that, it was a bullshit call and I'm going to say it the way I see it. You know, um, I'm up three zero in the fi final of the best two out of three. I'm up three zero. I get to Grunewald's body and I got him up off the mat, and miraculously, I go straight to my back. Okay? Leg trip? Leg trip. You can see the hook. Well, they're like, we can't tell how much pressure there was on your leg. Well, I, as you, if you watch that video, and this is where USA Wrestling and I don't see eye to eye, and I don't <laughs> give a rat's ass, because... You know what? I know what it's like to be ripped off. Or I, I believe it. Grunewald will say it was clean. I'll tell him he's full of shit to his face and we'll be okay with each other. You know? That's the way I am. He, he sees it one way. I see it one way. You know what? Watch the video. See what you see. But make a long story short. Um, I get to his body. I got him up. If I throw him, match is over. There's no way he's coming back. If they call caution in two and put him down, I'm up 5-0. You know, I didn't have to go to the body. I went to the body because I wanted to score points. Well, it bit me in the ass. I ended up uh, getting hooked. And, and as I'm going on my back, you can hear me yell on the video, legs. I'm down in parterre bitching at the referee to call it and stop it which I should have been defending, but I'm an idiot. I'll admit that part. That's where I screwed up. And uh, he ends up getting on a gut wrench me or lift me or whatever. I ended up losing that match because I lost my mind. I wanted to kill somebody, to be honest. You know? I, yeah. And uh, So what match the, was that? One or two? That was the third and final match. That was three? Oh, yes. my God. And I'll so... Uh, I, you... uh, I just, I, you know, I, I, I get done. I, I go back uh, to the hotel. I'm walking and just, I'm, I'm des devastated, man. I'm, you know, because I, I was, I felt like I was doing well, you know, like I was peaking and getting ready. And then I'd finally have a training situation where I could actually train and not compete. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he ends up, I think doing well at the Olympics was what a match or two away from winning a medal, you know, and, um, 
you know, that's, it sucked. You know, you're, you're making, I think back then it was 350 a month. So, you know, I didn't get to wrestle in the Olympics and, and try and win a, another medal, you know. Did you consider retiring? Uh, no, I was pissed. I had a point to prove, you know, uh, um, I, I wanted to try, I knew I could make three, four more years. And I, I decided to try and make the 2004 Olympic team in Athens where it all started. So I, I committed to that and it was just a tough road. You know, I was working construction six, seven hours a day and then training half-assed you know, cause we didn't have sponsors and, you know, it, it, it was tough. And then, uh, they changed weight classes. They bumped the weight class up to 60 some. And I was, my best weight was 25 and a half, you know, I, and I had to make a decision to either wrestle up or where I didn't really wasn't cutting a ton or, drop weight and I decided to drop in all three after the all three uh team trials I I said I'm going down to 121 pounds what did Terry say when you told him he's like do you think you can do it I said yeah I can do it he goes okay then do it <laughs> where were you starting from uh at that point probably about 56 Oof, my yeah God. 35 pounds and I heard that you had uh, the power bar diet, power bar in the oh, morning, power bar at night. How many yeah. months out were you doing that? Or was uh, it, like it was like a three week str stretch, three weeks. Yep. Man. A power bar in the morning, a, a perfect meal from Advocare for lunch, and then another power bar for dinner. And that was three weeks. Would you ever, did you ever like consider breaking or you just push through on through with the weight? You just, you had to. I mean, once, once I made the team, you know, or, or committed, I, I'm like, okay, I'm either going to die trying or I'm going to make it and be a monster. And you talk about making the team. I remember this like it was yesterday because I was in ninth grade. My mom took me to the 04 Olympic trials for my nice. birthday. That's RC a sweet gift, sweet gift, RCA dome. It was my first big event. I remember they had the, uh, the, the stadium was cut off at the 50 yep. yard line yep. and they had the warm up area yep. and I would sneak back there and watch the guys warm up and I'll never forget that event. And to this day, my mom reminds me of your match with Brandon Paulson. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. 16, 18 yeah. minute marathon match. The craziest thing to me is that I don't think, let me know if I'm wrong in this. Was it well established ahead of time that you would just wrestle until the end? Like there was no criteria, nothing? No, 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 no. This is where I got questions. You Okay. In that match, he scored a two point and a one point. I scored a three point feet to back. You get where I'm going with this. I get sure. it, man. I get it. That's what I'm so confused about. Because they I've never said they told me and Brandon when we're on the mat, and I'm I'm crazy. I can't think straight when I'm wrestling. You know, I I look to my coaches for that type of stuff, and uh, they tell me, "Hey, we're not going to decide the match. You guys, somebody's got to score a point." Looking back, it never should have been. No because of the criteria was not the same. 
but at that point, I didn't realize it. I remember probably in about uh, 2015 or 16, maybe 17 even, I figure out in my wrestling club in Stevens Point, me and guys are talking about that match in the room. And then finally it hits me that the criteria wasn't the same. I get up, I call, I'm like, you got to hear this, guys, because I'm talking with buddies. And I call Brands right away. As soon as it, it dawns on me, it never should have went into overtime. I call Brands and I go, Brands, I go, do you realize we? I never should have went into overtime? I think USA was trying to screw me again. <laughs> and Brands is like, he goes, who cares? He goes, that's the best match I ever wrestled. He goes, that is a match that everybody will remember. I go, yeah, but you don't get my point. <laughs> and he goes, who cares? Shut up and let it go. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I let it go. But yet part of me wonders if there was another motive. Serious. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's, you've never seen another match ever that this happened where yeah. even Rulon Karelin at the end of nine, yep. they, it was it, yep. you know? So, exactly. so somehow, somehow it just happened though. And you come out on the winning end of it. Yeah. I heard that like at the nine minute mark, when the rest tell you, you're going to keep going yeah. at that point, you mentally committed to going another hour, 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 hour. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, That's set so my savage. Clock. I set my mental clock for an hour. Cause Paulson and I used to do grind matches and we might score three points in an hour, you know? So at that point I set my mind for an hour and I'm just like, okay, I ain't doing anything stupid. I'm just going to get on them and keep pulling on them and wear them out and get them to basically drop over until it gives me a point. And that that's pretty much what happened. I mean, we were attacking both of us. There were a couple uh, close scores at the edge of the mat with both of us earlier in uh, uh, overtime. And then finally at 16 minutes, and 54 seconds, I had a two-on-one, and I get him turned. I drive it across, and I get his hips turned, and I get his back, and I run him out of bounds, and I acted like I won. I didn't give the ref a chance to, to take away that point. I just ran over. I ripped Brands' head off, knocked him off the stage, ran around the stage, and, and jumped back up on the stage, and uh, – the can't hug the cameraman. It's it's pretty pathetic if you see it. But I watched it yesterday. I don't know, I don't know why I hugged him, but uh, I hugged the cameraman, and then I I saw Brandon, and I saw him just on the mat, and I I go over to him and I give him a hug, and I I tell him I love him. I said I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry. I I had to do it. You know, just you know, I said you know what, we gave the crowd what they came here for. We gave them a hell of a match. And uh, I said, I'm sorry. And then after that, I I uh, gave him a couple days and I called him and I said, called him and asked him if he'd be my training partner. Because uh, I knew he knew everybody at the weight class and he'd be able to help me out with preparing. And he agreed to it. So it was cool. One of the most epic matches of all time. I encourage everyone to go on YouTube and check that match out. Literally yeah. a 16 minute match, match three, everything's on the line. Uh, it was just crazy. 
And you, I mean, there's so many other places we could go with your career, but the last thing I wanted to ask you about Dennis was in 2016, 2017. And I picked yeah. this up from the interview you did with the five point throw, which is amazing. Yeah. Thanks. You were talking about, um, kind of a, a, like a conditioning program that you had yes. started. Yeah. What's, what are some of the fundamentals of that? It's basically all center of gravity control, building your, your, uh, core, um, I was just me and a buddy. I developed it and I, we developed it cause I was getting pissed off coaching. I mean, to be honest, I, I was struggling coaching because I couldn't understand why the athletes couldn't get the stuff that I'm doing and teaching and guys would be in a stance. I get, let them be in there with their partners and they can't do any of the things cause they weren't strong enough. And me and a buddy, uh, he was a place kicker, uh, we ended up uh, developing a program. He asked me what I did in my training and I showed him a lot of the things that the foreigners taught me. And we put together this like program. What? I'm dying to know uh, what stuff it's basically just a basic, uh, base squat position. It's, it's, uh, the athletic position, but your back is completely straight and, you know, you, you got 360 degrees of mobility because you're not front loaded on your toes, you know. And one thing that I found out through working with him and developing this program is uh, the use of leverage with your feet. You know, whatever is touching the mat on the mat has to be driving into the mat to give you strength and stability. And as a coach, I mean, I remember when I started wrestling back a long time ago they always told us to be light on our feet and have our weight on our toes and mm -hmm. it's completely ass backwards you do not want to do that and i will i will go to the ends of the earth to get this knowledge out to wrestlers you know people say you want to be light on your feet no you don't when everything that i'm talking about makes sense if you break it down and you know, when you're light on your feet, you have no stability. You're using your opponent to stand up and control your own body. So we need to definitely change that. And we develop, there's like uh, five, six positions that you kind of do. You do with uh, static position. Then you can go into three-inch movements. Then you go can go into explosive movements through those. And you can use bands or I got uh, blocks that we developed that are is made out of a certain uh, uh, material um, and you can use those blocks and it helps you with your stability and your power. I mean, Provisor was on it in 2016 when he was an absolute monster and uh, you know, it, it's helped quite a few guys out, you know, and uh, you know, I, I'd like to get it out to more wrestlers and, you know, they, they can go on to spikefst.com and, and look it up and, and find it. Um, but I, I do it with my kids in my kids club, but every practice we're doing it right now. And it's six positions you said. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of different things that you can do from those positions, which is uh, good for coordination. It just connects their whole body. The one thing, you know, when as wrestlers, you know, when you're in a scoring position, 
you know, a lot of times when we're on legs or we're in a body lock, we're only kind of using our arms instead of using our hips and our legs. And we got to learn to uh, engage as many muscles as possible at point of impact. So you have the stability when you make that impact. Plus, you get a lot more power generated when you do it. I'd love to, uh, I'll go to the website and check that out. And if you're ever in Chicago, or if I'm ever around you, I'd love to film some of them and put them back out there. So people yeah, can see them. Definitely. Of course. Well, Dennis, this has been as exciting and awesome as I thought it would be. Any last words before we sign off here, sir? Uh, no, man, just, uh, one thing I want to do is just get kids to try Greco. If you like throwing, give it a try. Um, you know, there's places in the, in the country where you can train it and get good knowledge from, um, you know, I, I'm up in Wisconsin and guys, you know, I, I run Greco practices pretty much year round now, um, trying to get some foreigners up. So once I get those guys up here, I'll be hosting some camps. And, uh, one of the guys is, I think, uh, uh, junior medalist. And then the other is, uh, might be a junior cadet, uh, world champ. So trying to get these guys over here to beat on our guys and teach our guys how to do it. It's pretty interesting to think about, you know, those guys wrestle Greco from eight years old on, and we do it for maybe three years. And so you're, yeah. you're trying to, you're trying to bridge that gap. I would imagine, you know, even if someone's not in Wisconsin and they, and they want to wrestle Greco, shoot you a message on Facebook, shoot you know, guys message. everywhere. Exactly. Yep. We'll, we'll help you out for sure. Awesome. Dennis Hall. Thanks again, man. You're a thanks treasure. For your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of wrestling changed my life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.